Is that better? Okay, I repent. All right. Let me be pastoral for just a moment. Okay? At some point in your life, I believe this for every believer, at some point in your life, someone's going to need you to pray for them. If they can't come to you for prayer, then you'll be the guy that's going to someone else to get prayer. So either way, you're going to be involved in this connection. You're either going to need it or you're going to be given it, possibly both. Get equipped to succeed. If you don't want to be a prayer partner at the altar, I don't care. But learn, take the class and learn how to pray anyways. Oh, if you do want to pray at the altar, take the class. Don't let me catch you praying for other people and you haven't taken the class. I want to prophesy, but I don't want to submit. Do that at another church. Is it, uh, you know, because if we don't make it really clear, some people act like it's confusing. So I just want to eliminate that confusion. If you won't submit to our authority, I know you won't submit to God's. So if you're not going to do that, then sit in the chair. But if you want to be effective, used by God in ministry, take the class. It's an easy class. It's a great class. And get equipped so God can use you not only here, but outside of here. So when you go to work and somebody comes to you and they say, I'm in the middle of chaos and I know you're a believer, can you pray with me? You don't look at them with stammering lips and saying, I can make a phone call. Let's, let's get equipped to win. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, well, I'm glad you're here. You really needed that. Tell them, you needed that. Okay, if you're here today, you don't own a Bible, hold your hand up. Uh, ushers will bring you one. It's our gift to you. Get in the Word of God. Study the Word of God. How about this? Apply the Word of God. Amen. Have you got your Bible with you to, today? Let's stand together and make a confession. Just hold it up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, I will never be the same. Say, never, never, never in Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more praise. Amen. Amen. Anybody in here really, really, really busy? Anybody in here really, really, really lying? Isn't it funny? Most of us are in quite a rush. Life is hectic. We've been talking about you don't have what it takes. We started off talking about you're not good enough. And, you know, the enemy will use that statement, you're not good enough, to beat you up, make you feel bad. But if you understand that statement from the right perspective, it actually releases all the pressure. I'm not good enough. No matter how hard I try, you know, to follow all the rules, to jump through the hoops, even though they're set on fire, no matter what effort, resource, energy, talent I put into it, I'm not good enough. But God sent his perfect son, Jesus, to die on a cross, to be buried, to be raised again from the dead, to introduce me to real life. And because of relationship with Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ applied to my life, suddenly I am in right standing with God, holy, right and blameless in his sight. Then we talked about you can't please everybody. 
right? Isn't it nice to know that I don't have to live a life trying to please everybody? And when I'm trying to win the approval of everybody else, when I'm living and my decisions are based on what's going to make others happy, I need to understand that I'm actually shifted over from serving God to idolatry, just trying to keep people happy. And people trying to keep them happy will keep me so busy, I don't have time to do what pleases God. And today, I want to talk to you about you can't handle it all. Look at your neighbor and tell them you can't handle it all. You know, most of us attempt to accomplish so much, way more than we should, and as a result of that, we end up slightly overwhelmed. We're in a hurry. We're always running late. You know, we see that here. Church starts. We sing three songs, turn around, and there you are. Somebody's running a little late. Why are we running late? Well, because we're so, we've got so much to do. We keep adding to it. Honestly, if you're here today, and if it bothers you, if slow people kind of annoy you just a little, would you just hold your hand up so I can see it? Slow people. Some of you, you raise your hand so slow, that annoys me. You know that they annoy you. You're in a rush. You're in a hurry. We've got things to do, people to see, things to go. This message today is for you. Because life is busy. I don't know about yours, but it's really easy to let life just carry you away. Watch the screen. Little video for you. Well, here we are. Just another day in the life of Pastor Tom. Today, we're talking about you can't handle it all. And I got to thinking, life's a lot like one of these treadmills. You start off at the beginning of the week, everything's fine. We got a pretty good control. As other things come in, speed starts picking up on this belt, and we got to keep up with it. If we stay focused and keep our heart and passion in it, we can do it, as long as we don't get too much involved. But you know, sometimes you find out you got something to do about the family, there's no way around it. One of the boys needs a ride or have a little issue at school. Well, now you've added that to your week. Guess what? Things start speeding up again. So, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. We're just moving on the treadmill of life. Kind of going in between there, but as long as we stay focused, stay strong, keep our heart in it, we've got what it takes. Then the phone rings, you find out, oh, Stephen has a concert. When's your concert, son? Inevitably, tonight. Well, that kind of speeds things up in a hurry. So now, kind of got to work on it even a little bit more. Keep your focus a little bit tighter. Stay in there. Get your win. You can do this. I can. I'm Pastor Tom. Then, find out. Need to go to the mall. Oh, got to go to the mall. Well, somebody's going to have to do it. So, just push a couple notches on here. Pick it up. It's okay. We can keep up. Life isn't that difficult. Now, you find out that you got a little premarital counseling you got to do for somebody. Totally forgotten about it. But it's coming up. you got to add a couple notches there. Hit that button again. Just keep up with everything. Something happens. Somebody has a tragedy in their home. Whose job is that? I can look around. It's mine. Put a couple notches on there. Get a phone call from a missionary friend. Has a catastrophe in Indonesia. Well, there isn't time to think about it. Just got to react. Get a call from Seattle. Sound the alarm needs to have an emergency board meeting. Well, I guess we got to pick that up a bit. 
friends call up. Hey, what are you doing Wednesday night? Well, I can't do Wednesday night because, well, we got youth church. Oh, yeah, youth church. A couple more clicks. Dinner this week? It's got to be this week. Really important. Can't put it off. A couple more clicks. You know, it doesn't take long. Here we are, right in the beginning of a week. We're clipping along at a pretty good pace. But I can handle it. I'm Pastor Tom. I can do this thing. I've been training for this quite a while. I'm into it. I got it down. Then you find out you're going to have to shoot a video. So we can have a video illustration for church. Oh, good. Let's add a few more clicks. On top of that, they expect you to be able to run on this thing and talk at the same time. That's no easy task. But I can handle it. I'm Pastor Tom. In the middle of that, I got friends. I got family. I got hundreds of church people trying to build relationships with. Keep pushing this button. Home teams. Mops. Oh, man. Okay. How long do I have to do this? Well, I don't know if you get the point. But after a certain amount of additions to your time, you find out. I just can't handle it all. <laughs> Ta-da! There you go. And that's your life. Yours isn't the same list of events that mine as mine, but you've got your own, don't you? And some of you look like you could use a vacation. You know, if you're not careful, you'll end up totally out of it. Life comes so fast, we get involved in so much, and pretty soon we're out of it. We're out of shape physically. We are out of sorts emotionally. We're out of touch relationally, and we're out of order spiritually. Out of shape physically? You don't, you, do you understand how much time it takes to stay in shape? Well, I'll just change the things I eat. That's a good start, but that ain't really going to help you that much. You, you need an hour and a half every three days to just invest in your physical man so that you can keep it in shape. Many of us don't have time to get in shape. Out of sorts emotionally. You know what's crazy is most people are on an emotional roller coaster. And the problem is, is that every choice you make is based out of emotion. You haven't made one choice in your life that didn't have emotion connected to it. So if you're out of control emotionally, guess what? The decisions you're making, they're all over the board. You're out of touch relationally. There's people that mean a lot to you, but you don't have time to invest in their life. There's people you really love, but they'd never really know it because you don't have time. You're out of order spiritually. This is a big one, obviously, for me, because I look at people and think, you know what? The crazy thing is, is that we're an easy target. The enemy can keep you so busy with the wrong stuff that you won't have time for the right thing. We love God. We just don't have time for God. You realize that over 50% of spirit-filled believers only attend service once a month? Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. We're, we're, we're talking about believers that don't find time to connect with God. Some of you here today, I understand completely today 
that my duty is to tell you what God told me to tell you, what he laid on my heart to share with you with the full understanding and, and I'm total, totally aware that the majority of us aren't going to do anything about it. So you can understand my frustration. Okay? And, and if you know me well, you know I'm going to tell you the truth anyways. But when I know that you're going to listen, you're going to think that's good for some people, that, but that doesn't really affect me, and you're going to go home next week, you're going to live exactly like you did last week, pretty much regardless of what I tell you today. Because you, even though you will admit you're incredibly busy, you are under the impression that that's just life. And that's the way it should be. And that I don't have time to make those changes. And many of us are under the impression that if we admit that we've been living wrong, that people will know and then we'll look bad. So we're still trying to live to please others. I'm understanding today that you are going to have a hard time taking this home and owning it. So I'm going to just throw it at you double barrel. Next week... We'll talk about you can't tell the future. It'll be fun, light, and you won't even need to apply it. But this week, I'm kidding. Because what I say, I realize that next week the crowd will be totally different. God's plan for your life is to prosper you, not harm you. His plan is not to overwhelm, overburden, and stress you out. Stress is the anti-revival strategy of hell. All the enemy has to do to keep God's people from staying connected to God is get them so busy they don't have time for God. Sound familiar? That if he can just keep you so wrapped up in stuff that doesn't matter, then the things that really do matter, you won't have time to apply yourself to them. And then you can be really spiritual about it and take a 30-second prayer and turn it over to Jesus. That isn't what he called you to do. He actually called you, equipped you, wired you, and empowered you, anointed you for service in the kingdom, not so that you could release some things to God in hopes that he could perform a miracle on your behalf and you could call your lack of character and obedience a life of faith. Oh, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to expect God to do what he created me to do. That's not faith. It's disobedience. If you don't have time to do what God's called you, equipped you, wired you, and empowered you to do, you're running from God. Isn't it funny how many of us are far from God and feel good about it? Why? Because we fit in with a busy society. But God didn't call us to fit in. He called you to stand out. He, he has equipped you and empowered you and anointed you with his purpose in mind. You know, in the spiritual realm, we've reached a time that we need to look at in reality and realize it's time for a come to Jesus meeting. We need to have a face-to-face -face encounter with the creator of life itself. Matthew 11, if you'll open your Bible and look at it, verse 28 through 30. Verse 28, it says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Come unto me, you who are weary, burnt out, stressed out, and fatigued. Come to me. Come to Jesus. Look what he said. I will give you rest. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that there's people in the room today that could use a good nap. Some of you guys are in great need of rest. 
Isn't it funny how many of us are under the impression that if we rest, somebody's going to think we're slacking. Somebody's going to think we're not carrying our load. If we take it easy for a day, we're probably going to be looked at like a sinner. Do you realize that God intends you, intends for you to rest? Most of us don't know what rest is. If we're not productive, if we're not ringing the bell, then we, you know, we just ain't doing it. You know what's sad is so many believers who have no respect for the Sabbath. How many of you participated in the fast, 21-day fast? How many of you are glad that um, Famous Days was opened the day after the fast? Okay. Somebody asked me, how many people you think went there for dinner? I said, I don't know. I was there at lunch. <laughs> you know, Isaiah 58, I'm believing God for great things from the fast, and because I want to be in agreement with God's word, we took Isaiah 58, and that's where we got our instruction for the fast, Right? Isn't this the fast that I have chosen? Verse 6, isn't this the fast that I have chosen? It tells you what to do in verse 7. You read verse 8, verse 9, verse 10. It's really, really great stuff. But then if, if you stop there, you kind of miss some things like verse 13. If you turn away your foot from traveling unduly on the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honor him in it, and not going your own way or seeking or finding your own pleasure or speaking with your word. In other words, if you would take that day and dedicate it to me, not use that day to do what you want. It's the same chapter that we got instruction for the fast. It's good for the fast, but when we talk about God's day, oh, that doesn't apply. For the people who aren't here and that we're able to send them the tape, can we just say, what a bunch of idiots. That we are under the impression that we can do whatever we want and God's going to shine on it. That if I live it my way, my style, my thing, the way I see it, God's going to bless it. How's that working out for you? Have you solved a lot of your problems? Where's the breakthrough at? When I do what God says, he doesn't produce what he promised. You got to start actually doing what he said. You know, I got to tell you guys, there's an incredible life of blessing, Zoe life, God life, eternal life that God would love to connect you to, but you don't get to do it your way. You get a t-shirt and a bumper sticker and then run around flipping people off in traffic and God wants to change your life. We act as if we've got some deep relationship with God because we go to church once a month. And i got to tell you something. That's not exactly the plan God has for your life. He wants to change you. Look at your neighbor. Tell him God wants to change you. Some of you are afraid to say it. And you know it's true. Listen, come to Jesus. Look at his lifestyle. He was busy, but he wasn't hurried. He went from miracle to miracle, stopping at a prayer meeting in between. He understood the call of God. He listened to the voice of the Father. He did only what the Father told him to do. There are some things we've got to learn if we're going to handle time and life correctly. Some of us are so busy, so full, so pressured, so rushed that it's hard to hear God. So let me just give you three things you've got to do with all the stuff that you're doing. Three things you've got to learn. You ready? Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. There are some things that need to be shared. Some things need to be shared. Look at Exodus chapter 18, verse 17 and 18. 
Moses' father-in-law comes to him and he says, what you are doing is not good. Look at verse 18. If you keep doing it, you and the people are going to wear yourselves out. The work's too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Look back at verse 17. Here's the word of the Lord for you today. The thing that you are doing is not good. If you even in, in direct connection with God's plan, you can't do it alone. 57 times in your Bible, it refers to another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Love one another. How can you be in agreement with the word of God without another in your life? God brought you to people to connect you to people. The reason you need to learn how to pray is so you can pray for others. If you don't care about others, if you just want them to go to hell, then don't learn how to pray. And then when you have need, oh, you'd never say that, but that's how we live. I'm a believer. Well, your neighbor isn't tough. Don't you think we ought to change a little? Well, that's somebody else's job to reach them. No, it isn't. It's yours. God equipped you, called you, pulled you out of darkness, translated you into the marvelous light of his dear son, not so that you could drive a newer Cadillac, but so that you can make an impact, a difference on the earth today. You want to drive a new car? Great. Get a new car. Use that car to haul the lost to Jesus. But don't act like this is all about you. You are on the planet that has over five and a half billion people on the planet. Everybody but you belongs to one elite group that you can never get membership to. That group is called others. Life isn't about you. And you need to share. There are some things in your life you just need to share. How do you live according to the law of Christ without Galatians 6.2 operating in your life? Galatians 6.2 says, share one another's burdens. Hook up. Not only, not only put up with their faults, but help them carry the weight. Hello? There's some stuff you need to learn to share. You can try it alone. But you just mess it up alone. You're going to drop the ball alone. You're going to dig a hole alone. Then you're going to call and need everybody to come fix a mess that wouldn't have been a mess had you got help at the beginning. Share. Look at your neighbor and say, I need to give you some stuff. <laughs> some of you are going, no, no, you really don't. That's somebody else in your life. Number one, there are some things that need to be shared. Number two, write this down. There are some things that need to be stopped. Luke 10, verse 41 and 42, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary chose what is better, and it won't be taken from her. Many of us are excited about a lot of stuff, but there really isn't all that much stuff that really matters. We can be so busy doing so many things that we don't do the one thing that really is going to make a difference. It's time that we understand I got to share some things, but other things I just need to stop. Well, I don't have time. You've got to understand that if you don't have time for God, one, you're too busy, and two, you have excused yourself from responsibility. You know what an excuse is? It is the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. Sounds good, but you're just lying. It's a cop-out. 
I don't have time. Oh, hear me today. I don't have time is a cop-out. I don't have time to obey God. What an easy target we are. If the enemy can just simply keep us busy, then we won't have time to walk in obedience. It's a cop-out. You have the same amount of time as everybody else has. You may have chosen to use your time for things that you shouldn't do so that when it comes time to do the thing that you must do, you can't do because you're too busy doing stuff that you weren't supposed to do. But that's the choices that you've made. You can't, I, I didn't have time to study. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I don't know why I looked at you. I just felt attracted. It was safe. It was safe for me, son. Thank you for making me safe. Can, can, can I, 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 like I said, 45 minutes from now, you'll be sitting at the table discussing why this doesn't apply to you. So, so, so can I just hit you with, you know, with my best shot? Come on. Give me a free day. Let your neighbor say, I love Pastor Jim. Okay. Okay, here's the deal. God called me to this church. Really? Will you get involved? No, don't have time. So let me get that right. God called you here to suck the life out of us. God called you to sit in chairs that we had to pay for. God called you to walk on carpet that I have to vacuum. God called you to drink coffee that we had to make. God called you to open water bottles and suck out just a little teeny bit and put the cap on and leave them there so I could come pick them up. What? What? That's, that's why God called you here. What? Is God mad at me? Should I repent? No, I think God called you to the church to make a difference in the church. And if you're not, if you don't have time to connect to the church, maybe there's some things you should stop doing so you can have time to do what God's called you to do. It's just a thought. I think you should be nicer. I'll leave. I will never be nicer. Please know that I love you as you go. Don't want you going anywhere. Don't want you leaving. But I tell you what, you show up, I'll probably tell you the truth. Is it possible that we've gotten deceived in our hurry? That we didn't have time to actually give real thought to the things that we were building our life upon? Could we be so busy that we don't have time to make any sense? You know, life, what happens is, is we get busy. And every one of us, we've got packages. And we've got things that matter to us. You know, we, we've got this little work package and we, we have this little hobby package and we've got this little, you know, uh, finance package. Well, this is probably finance package here, huh? This is, the, this is the bigger box, so that would be the bills. And then we've got, um, you know, a special friend package and, and we go through life. Right at the beginning of life, you get some stuff, don't you? It's your life and you get some things and, and, and you learn to deal life with these things. These are my things. See my things? See them? Don't touch them. Because these are my things. And it isn't long until life, in life, you find that there's people following you around, trying to give you more things. <laughs> and it's like they're in a hurry. Take these, take these. There's only 15 minutes left. Take these. And you know what you inevitably we do? We go, fine, just put them on there. Just give me some more things. And life isn't too bad because I like stuff. The people in life helping you, just giving you more junk. How many of you, don't raise your hand and admit to this, but how many of you actually rent a space to keep stuff that you forgot that you owned? I said, don't lift your hand. 
Yeah, isn't that kind of funny? We, 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 we'll get a second job to pay for a room to keep stuff that we can't remember where it's at. So we accumulate more stuff. And some of this stuff is vital. We've got to have it. You know why? Because we signed a line that said we'd take it. Love boating. Need a bigger boat. Need a bigger boat box. You know, and, and this is the way you come, this is the way you come to church. That's it. That's it. Go, go ahead and steal the focus. Just rob my glory day. Just go ahead. Fall off the ladder, hurt something. People go, oh, there must be sin in Tony's life. We all knew that before church. Okay. Here, I'll get more stuff to help Tony so he doesn't kill himself. Okay, may, maybe one more. Come on. Yeah, set, set him on there. Set him on there. You're good. And then you come in the doors of church like this. I'm here. Okay, well, let's praise God. I can't. Why? Because my mind is on this other stuff. Would you give? I can't reach my checkbook right now. It's in that box up there. Can you participate? No, not really. And you go through life, and the more stuff you get, whoa, the more nervous you look. And as you approach people, they have a tendency to want to back away. And you're going through life, and you're getting good at it. Yep, that's right. Can you see where you're going? Oh, no. Why? Because if I look there, I'm in trouble here. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to fix it. We're going to go get some more. So we go see Uncle Tony. And we, whoa, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Photo op. Okay. Um, and so here we are. Now God says, here's the real purpose and destiny in life. Will you do it? Uh, yeah, some of you are like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, you ought to be where I'm at. Okay. And, and there's life. That's your life. Some of your stuff, you can't share it. You can't get to it. You need to stop it. Some of the things that you do need to be shared. Some of the things you do need to be stopped. But all of the things you do need to be surrendered. If you have something in your life that you won't go to God, sit down and say, I'm not touching that until you speak to me again. If you can't surrender it, you're trying to be God. You're on your own throne. You can say whatever you want, but that's yours. See, many of us, we go and prayer to God and we tell God what we want and how we want it and what we'd like him to do and when we'd like him to do it. It's not prayer. You're frustrated because God never answered my prayer. It wasn't a prayer. God's not your boy. He's not a machine. You put the right offering in, pull the right lever that you get what you want. That's a vending machine. That's where you get Coke and cigarettes. You go to God and you surrender to God. You get into, into agreement with God on his word. Not get him to agree with what you say, but you get into agreement with what he says. Well, what if I don't like it? Tough. He's God. 
There are some things in your world that need to be surrendered. Well, I want God to change them. He can't until you'll take your hands off. Do you realize some of, some of your parents, some of your family members are all messed up and you go to God and every time God's dealing with them, you step in the middle and interrupt God. God can't even deal with them through hardship and through, through tough times because you keep coming in and rescuing them. Why? Well, because I just hate to see my family suffer. Well, you know what? If you won't take your hands off, God can't put his hands on. Some of you are really happy and you're looking at your kids and saying, ha, 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 gotcha. <laughs> Some things need to be shared. Some things need to be stopped. All things must be surrendered. I want to close with this thought. If a slight adjustment would have fixed your life, don't you think you're sharp enough you probably would have done that already? If a slight adjustment would have gotten you living right, could have solved your financial dilemmas, could have brought health and healing to your relationships, could have brought stability to your emotional condition. If a slight adjustment would handle it, aren't you sharp enough that you would have figured it out? See, many of us, the reason we're not going to embrace this today and we're not going to uh, really change our life is because we don't want to deal with the reality that a slight adjustment isn't what we need. No, it is a radical change that needs to be made in our life. We don't need a slight adjustment. It's not a little ball peen adjustment. Ping. You need radical life-changing difference to occur. Because if you don't, you're going to live the same way. Here's how easy it is to wander off the trail, to get caught up doing things you should have never done because you're under the impression it's good. You realize there's a difference between good and right. A friend in our family was on the mission field 20 years. He was a young guy when he started. 20 years later, he's a young guy. But the denomination he's with says after 20 years, you're going home. He loves his denomination, but he doesn't want to go home. They tell him, well, if you're going to stay in this denomination, you are going home. So he has to pack up and moves home. He moves home. He deals with two years of depression, trying to figure out why they would do that to him. Finally surrenders that to God. Says, okay, I'm going to let that go. Walk away from it. Lead me, guide me, direct my steps. He prayerfully heads out into ministry finds himself out in the country, a little country church, gets there and suddenly they, they, they realize that, that, hey, we need the uh, pastor, you're, you need a job, how about you hook up and we do this. He starts pastoring a country church. In a couple of years, the country church is full. People who are just coming out of the woodwork to come to church out there in the country. So they build a new facility that seats more people than live in the city. And it's full in multiple services every weekend. They get so much influence that the school district when they have their annual planning meeting and they sit down and look at the calendar they call the pastor and the staff to the meeting because they know that if we plan something on a date that's the same date the church is doing something no one will be at our event they'll be at the church's event he has incredible influence and one day he's thanking God praising God and just giving God glory but he said he made this statement he asked God God this is so great but why did I not have this kind of uh, you know success and results on the mission field and he said just as if you're talking to me, I heard a voice say, because I never called you to the mission field. 
Now, no one would come to him and say that what he was doing was wrong or that it wasn't nice or that it wasn't good. Unfortunately for him, it just wasn't right. Many of us are very, very busy doing very good things. The problem is it's good for nothing. At the end of the day, at the end of the journey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change anything. It's not what God called you to do. If you can't surrender your life to God, you're going to waste a lot of time doing the wrong stuff. Here's my question today. Are you willing to allow God to produce radical change in your life? Are you going to go through life the same way you came in? Nope. Come today... Basically, just to make somebody else happy or to justify a nasty attitude or whatever. This is what I do. This is how I roll. This is my life. Not looking for radical change. I'm not looking for minor adjustment. I'm looking for a good deal on wings shortly after noon. Shouldn't have said wings. Now my mind's wandering. What are you hungry for? radical change I'm believing that there's a couple of people today just a couple you'll say you know what that's what I need I need radical change I bet if I had radical change in my life it would be totally different and you know what there's probably voices out there in the world that would say well that's weird that's odd that's not the way we do it but I'd be doing it the way God told me to do it I guess if I raise my family differently than you do, I'll just have to deal with that because this is what God told me to do. Maybe, uh, maybe careers would change. Maybe focus would change. Maybe financial status would change. Uh, if anybody agreed or disliked it, it wouldn't make any difference because I'd be doing what God told me to do. I wonder what that would be like if we would just do what God called us and asked us to do. I want to show you Just a couple of scriptures, and we're done. This is going to be fast. Psalms 46.10. Look at this. Be still and know I am God. The word still is rapha. It means slacken, allow to sink, or let drop. Let it drop. Today's vernacular, drop it. Let me be God. Drop it. Get your hands off of it. Surrender it. Let it go. You got your hands so full of stuff, drop it. Well, if I drop it, what's going to... God's big enough to take care of it. He can handle it. I said, he can handle it. Well, if I don't do these things, life's going to fall apart. No, maybe if you didn't do those things, you'd have enough time to hold life together. Let it drop. Look at Psalm 62.1. It says, my soul finds rest in God. If we're so busy, we don't know what rest is. We need to find rest. We're not going to find rest in a new car, even if it has butt heaters in it. You're not going to find rest there. You're not going to find rest in a new relationship. That new man, that new woman in your life, it ain't going to be a rest producer. It's going to be chaos producer. I'm going to find rest in my children. I'm, no, you're not. Yeah, I, I'm going to find rest on vacation. No, you're not. You don't load up three teenagers and head to Disney World for a time of relaxation. Give me a massive break. Where am I going to find rest? In God alone. 
The only place you're going to find rest is in God. Psalms 55:22 says, cast your burden on the Lord. Release the weight of it. He will sustain you. Look at this. He will never allow the consistently righteous to be moved, made to slip, fall, or fail. If you'll cast it on God, you can't fail. Here's what the enemy wants you to think, that if you take your burden, throw it on God, that something is going to cause you to be a loser. No, you can't fail. When you give it to God, you can't fail. See, you got to give it to him. You got to do what he says. See, faith is not believing regardless of circumstance. It's also obeying regardless of consequence. It doesn't look right to you. Right. Because you have screwed up vision. All of us do. We see things through our filter. God don't have no filter. He sees it, the big picture. He knows that what you think matters doesn't. If you would give it to him and he told you to never go back and look at it again, if he gets you to obey, you'd win in that area of life. But because you keep picking it up, now it's a struggle. Now it's sucking the life out of you. Now it's sucking out your finances. Now it's sucking out your hope. Now it's sucking out all of your strength. And God's trying to tell you, if you'd put it down, just stop it. Stop it. Well, yeah, but I started this in Jesus' name. He never put his name there. He didn't care that you did. Stop. Drop it. Cast your burden on the Lord. You won't fail. Ever. You won't slip. Can I just say this? The fact that you're slipping, the reality that you're falling, these are real. We all slip. We all fall. And we often fail. You know what those are? Indicators. It's time to go back to God. Just an indicator. Oops, should have surrendered that one. When you drop the boxes, it's because you were carrying them. Hello? When you drop the boxes, it's only because you were carrying them. If you hadn't carried them, you wouldn't have dropped them. If he carries them, they won't hit the ground. Ready for radical change? Will you close your book, bow your head?